Hello, welcome back to Expert and African, where I share the experiences of African tech specialists and their journeys to becoming experts. Every week, you will have an idea of what it's like working in core or adjacent tech roles in different tech fields. Here's another dose of inspiration to get you ahead in your tech career. For this week's episode, I sat down with Yakin Ajayi, a senior software engineer with six years of experience. He is the senior engineering manager at Daemon, an Africa-based cloud-native developer and security operations company. After putting his all into a startup idea that failed earlier in his career, Yakin decided to focus on a specific role and get better at it. In this conversation, he shared how he moved up the ladder to become the preferred choice of leading tech companies. He also talked about his love for family. But before we dive right in, let's take a message from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Abisola Adenoga, the head of business at TechPoint Africa. Did you know that you could present yourself as a reputable brand leader? Did you know that your business can get the limelight it deserves? Now you do. Using TechPoint Africa's marketing tools, we can put you in the faces of a large audience for brand awareness and thought leadership. To do this, reach out to us by sending an email to business at techpoint.africa or click on the link in the description below. Yakin had a startup idea and started working on it as he rounded off his undergraduate studies. He calls it a crash course because it formed the basis of his knowledge in product development, software engineering, marketing, sales, user experience, people management, and every other skill you can think of that is required to run a tech business. Awaoja, which is the name of the startup, never took off, but Yakin would never give up. He worked for a few months at a software as a service startup before heading to Conga, one of Africa's leading e-commerce platforms, to lead one of their engineering teams. And in less than two years at Demos, Yakin went from the role of senior software engineer to principal software engineer and then to engineering manager before assuming his current responsibility as the senior engineering manager, where he works with multiple engineering teams to build products and provide value for clients. As someone who started coding in 2011 and rose to become a senior software engineer, some qualities sped up his transition. Can you guess what made the difference? Was it his years of experience or the quality of his project? Other thoughts. Let's learn a bit about his early days. So Yakin got his first computer, a desktop, when he was nine years old. And that could only mean one thing. He had something to tinker with quite early in life. But that didn't last long because bad voltage destroyed the computer and he was back to square one, putting him in the same situation as his classmate at the government secondary school he attended. The students only had one hour a month to play around with the computer. Maybe this was why his parents wanted him to be in touch with current trends and Yekin is grateful for their push. Of course, it also helped that he loved to read. He still does. For my parents, I can't really say exactly what their motivation was, but as a parent, you want to give your child the very best possible things in life. And so it was more like, oh, this computer look like it's, you know, it's taking over the world. I think that was more or less a little train of thought from my parents. Oh, mm -hmm. let's just get him to just play with it. And of course, I spent most of the time on the computer playing games and switching between words. So it wasn't like I was writing code or anything from a very early age, but it was pretty interesting. And then I was lucky enough to go to a school where I think twice in a month, you'll get to go to the computer room and just like play around for 30 minutes. And that was like the highlights. Uh, and that is if there was power. So that also just like really stoked me. 
because I love the technical nature of it. I love reading. When I finished the secondary school and got admission, I used to have this flash drive that I took literally everywhere with me. The flash drive contained books, like lots of books from everything around the Harry Potter series to books around software engineering, which I probably didn't read back, back then, but it was just like collecting PDFs. People collected movies back then, but I collected books mainly. And so with that, I would literally go to a cyber cafe, even when I didn't have a computer of my own. I'll go to a cyber cafe. I'm happy to spend my lunch money on it and just plug that in and read. So I think that was what gave me that exposure. When you grow up, you can't allow yourself to be defined by just the environment you grow up in. You need to broaden your horizon. You need to read it a lot more. It was that continual reading that I would say gave me the exposure to say, this thing is, it looks technical, it looks weird, but it's actually doable. It's mm. not that bad, uh, especially when you start looking at the underlying principles. I'll take a step back now and allow Yakim to take us through his baby steps in tech. My very first job, it was being a founder. Being a founder, you have to wear a lot of hats. At some point, I had a team of up to six or seven. I'm not really a one direction kind of person. I love knowing exactly how something works, how the other thing works. Um, I would say I was very interested in not just building products, but building very good products. I started off my career trying to build a small startup, but I never really took off, which is called our OJ at some point, but which gave me a lot of insight and knowledge into product development and software engineering, marketing, sales. So it was literally a crash course. It was a very good learning experience. So it was the days of the UX. I attended a lot of Google trainings on UX, Stand. Yes, I've always been in tech. You might be wondering what inspired someone to go into software engineering 10 years ago, unlike now when it is more compelling. Well, Yakin mentioned this love for technology but it was beyond that my love for technology is what's really pushed me there but a little bit of it also from the pragmatic side of things was i studied microbiology and it's a very interesting field i love science actually right one of my pipe dreams when i was younger was actually to be a researcher i read science back on even till now but the reason this is Nigeria. I studied microbiology and economic career microbiology. Potentially, the best you could probably do is be some kind of lecturer, for example. If I want to take the next step, probably have to figure out a way to get into a top level research company or something like that. There isn't a lot of room to grow there. There isn't a lot of areas to explore there. I've always loved computers. I right? remember when I got my very first computer when I was small. Those few months, it was revolutionary for me it was game-changing being able to type on word and see it was cool so that's why i kind of started leaning more into technology I started understanding oh i love this thing already and that was days of the facebook it was like every startup was coming out everybody wants to be the nice mug zuckerberg for example it was pretty interesting there were startups coming up solving problems people like the congas and the jumias were coming up and Nigeria, if anything with all these positives and negatives is definitely a place full of problems and we see people solving these problems every day. We see people using technology to solve them. It was more interesting. So it wasn't even really necessarily about the money, though. Of course, it was like pragmatic saying, oh, if you do it properly, yeah, you can go a very long way. And that's one of the beautiful things about technology in Nigeria, or software engineering in Nigeria. I've worked with so many people, mentored so many people that, you know, in Europe or something like that, some of them didn't even study technology like me. And the beautiful part is, 
software engineering is that great equalizer where regardless of where you are in the world with an, a computer and an internet connection you can learn you can upskill you can potentially get to silicon valley levels if you're willing to put in the work and if you're willing to actually learn and put in the practice it's just mind-blowing you can get lots of materials just for free like just for free and it's mm -hmm. just like astounding like lots of careers to make a very profitable a very good career and it's just there for free and you can do it by yourself without having to wait for anyone to mentor you or to train you before you thought of having a startup what were you doing before then for that i was literally learning autocode models so i just love technology i think for me i see it as a tool to solve problems and software is one of the best tools for we in nigeria because as long as you have a laptop and internet connection, you can literally assess unlimited resources to get started with. So yeah, I, mean, I spent a lot of time in operating systems, programming, Python, before I eventually decided to, you know, yeah, let's try to solve a problem with this. What exactly is the story behind the startup that never took off? By the way, our idea took over two years of effort. It was like, oh, it's final year. What is going to happen? What next? I actually took a year of school, which you could imagine the kind of chaos it caused back home. Because at that point, I wasn't remotely interested in my degree anymore. For my final year, I just pretty much just took a year off and spent some time. Worked from idea up back then, which was close to CCM. Mm -hmm. Did that for close to a year. If I did have to go back to school, I spent one or two years just playing with that. It was my service period. I was realizing that I don't think I'm ready for it yet because it's exceedingly hard to build something for a large set of people when you don't have the skill sets or you don't have the experience or the knowledge so you know spend more time making mistakes and learning which is the positive side so that was pretty interesting i mean, never really got any traction i even got out of the idea or conception phase so if i could have concentrated completely on engineering maybe that would have been um, a good idea everybody said i was trying to do engineering i was trying to do product management and then sales and so on and a little bit of that is actually also down to the personality trait i had back then which is just like i want to do everything i was like one man wrecking machine which really doesn't scale it doesn't really scale you can't build things with just one person it's just about taking the best out of everybody and getting the best skill sets from everyone and using everyone to the best of their capabilities yes i did really feel bad because ultimately yeah who wants to actually fail it was like when you try to go your own way and then everybody, there's no road there and like what's i'll try it our society it's failure that failure is just a good learning point so it, it felt like crap but i'm happy for the experience and i can look back honestly and say okay it's failed more because i wasn't ready i didn't have a skill set so i didn't even have the mindset to even go for it i've been very intentional about building up those skills being very hungry for the kind of experience working in a place where there are always people better than you. Sometimes you just have to surround yourself with people who help you become better. And that's been very helpful for me so far. And where did it go from there? And then after that, I joined Form Plus, which is a really cool software as a service platform where I started working a little bit because of my people skills to some extent. I was working with the customers, taking customer requests and also doing a lot of software engineering also eventually I just ended up spending much more time with software engineering 
met with the founder of Pumplus and I was like, this is someone I can actually learn from. This is software as a service, like Nigerians doing software as a service. It's weird. At least back then anyways, because this was a startup that almost no Nigerian were actually using. So it was like a startup that people across the world are using, but it was based in Nigeria. And that was pretty interesting for me. I thought, oh, okay, let's learn part of this. And it was great. It was a great experience. It also set it by a little bit high for me saying, okay, this is doable, right? It doesn't matter if you're in Nigeria, you don't necessarily have to channel traction. But you can also channel out some of the best products in the world, regardless of your geographical location. And so after Fun Plus, I joined Conga. Uh, yeah, so Conga was great at that point. And still is one of the biggest e-commerce platforms in Nigeria. Within a very short period of time, I was leading one of the engineering teams, which is one of the lead architects, which re-architected and rebuilt the Conga platform to some extent. Uh, then after Conga, I joined Damas. And Damas pretty much started out doing a lot of senior software engineers that we work with companies across Africa, some very cool companies in Nigeria, even some companies in Europe and so on, giving them solutions to technical problems. Meanwhile, your team didn't even have to apply before getting these jobs. The weirdest part is I've sent in a lot of applications and applied for a lot of jobs in my life so far, but as of now, I've never really gotten a job based on applications. My very first job was just like a contract gig. It was from the community then. It was born out of CCR. Uh, it was just like front ends or something like that in Nigeria. So, that's how I got my very first gig. Someone just called me from the community and said, oh, yeah, okay, I know you do front-end, there's this company. So just called me out of the blue, that was it. And then Funplus was literally just a mutual friend to the founder going to have to meet. And it was like, okay, sure, why not? I just thought it was going to be a waste of time. But then it turned out to be not. Getting into Conga was literally someone from Conga just dropping me a message on my LinkedIn and going, hey, I really like the skill set that's made or something like that. And even my current company, keeping my LinkedIn up to date, um, even though it's not really active, it's just to make sure that it's not completely stale. It keeps a lot of uh, offers coming in. I was a little bit just upset with it. I take my personal development very seriously. For a very long time, even till now, I code a lot. So it was just like, even at work, when I see this program, I try it. As you're working, you're learning on the job. But also, there are some things that you don't even need to figure out. You can just read a book because somebody has already figured that out for you in the past. So a lot of my early growth was just that I read more than almost anybody else. So if you say a problem, I'll say, oh, maybe this tool is actually the right tool for it. Maybe you could have solved that problem also. Or you'd have come out to the same conclusion that I have. But just because I had some more better tools and as I'm exploring more and more different aspects of software engineering or just spending more time on management. So that's really helped to some extent also. And then at Formplus, we were working with some Polish engineers. Mm, when I started, it was very critical of my code, not even of me. I didn't even take it personally. So I turned what could potentially have been a negative. And then also, I've always asked for feedback. So I would ask my coworkers for feedback. I would ask for feedback. So I think when you're working anywhere or even where you are, you should always know exactly where you stand mm. at every given point. If I suck, please tell me <laughs> so that I can do something about it, right? Yeah, there's no point in you telling other people that it suck because they won't be the ones to do something about it. So it's been a very helpful. Having that direct feedback loop and being just very open to literally everywhere that I've worked with, I've enjoyed all the products I've built um, to varying levels. So far, 
Yakin has worked in three companies. He shares this opinion on moving from one company to another. I think so far it's been relatively straightforward. <laughs> it hasn't been too difficult. Another thing also is when you know what you're looking for, you try to be very intentional about the kind of companies that you work with. Some companies, even if you announce that you're resigning, like all hell breaks loose, you must never leave, you become personal non grata or something like mm -hmm. that. But at every single place I've worked at, for example, with Fomplot, it was very cordial. I'm still in touch with the founder. And same thing with Conga, not burning bridges when you're leaving, right? Yes, there's always that sadness about, oh, these are people that I've spent over a year with, right? You sometimes spend more time at work than at home. But there's also that assurance, like, I'm not burning bridges. I can still chat with these people if you want. Because we're not working together, doesn't necessarily mean we are now suddenly enemies. With Yakin's current level of experience, does he feel he's now ready to build a startup? To answer your question, yeah, you can definitely run a startup. For me, I'm just very selective in terms of what problems do I want to solve? What problems do I want to work on? And then the roadmap, I would like to get back into it. I think I've learned a lot of skills along the way, but I'm also just very happy to keep growing, keep getting those skills because the way you approach problems, on a smaller scale is different from when you're thinking about multiple layers, multiple interrelations and also building up the network area of being able to actually attack problems with good resources and good backend. The demand for software engineers is high and there is a projection that it would grow even higher by 20% before 2030. So there is a worry that the space is becoming saturated, but Yakin has a different opinion, which would help if you're considering a career in software engineering. Definitely the market is saturated, but on the other side, the weird thing is a client talking about, oh, how hard it is for them to actually find engineering talent. Even for us, you know, it takes us two, three months roughly to find good software engineers. Even for an intermediate role, can get literally 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 CVs. But by the time you do CV screening, you are getting maybe four or 500 people there. Yeah, you do an initial assessment and then it drops. And then at the end of that, you are barely able to find one or two candidates actually. Mm. So there is a lot of quantity in the pool, but quality is also very, there's some great gems out there, like a lot of great engineers in Nigeria, like I know, like I've worked with a lot of them. What I'm trying to say is people just come in and should not be disheartened or sad, but think it's not possible. It's still very much possible. Software engineering is a place that rewards if you actually know your stuff, if you're not fluffy. Nigerians know how to sell themselves. People sometimes spend more time selling themselves than actually developing those skills that they should be developing. It's not insurmountable. If you're starting out, focus on one or two aspects. For me, for example, when I first started, that's one thing that didn't help too much. It doesn't allow you to grow very quickly. So you want to focus on a specific year research, pick one or two areas, focus on it. Don't learn the technology, learn the fundamentals, learn the principles mm. behind it. So in terms of joining a team, there are some invaluable experiences in just learning a team. But there are also a lot of things that you can learn on your own. You don't have to be in a team to learn about engineering to some extent anyways. On the other side of it, Nigeria is now getting to a place where there are lots of startups. There is always one coming out of the woodwork every other day. And it's actually the same thing consistent across the world. It's usually always somewhere to start, really, if you've gotten your skills to a certain level, right? Companies encourage you to learn. They give you the skills to learn, but mm -hmm. no company wants to take you from zero to 
hero. Don't start from zero. Start from maybe like 40-50% and then I can say, okay, maybe there's something here to invest in. You can provide some value to me because ultimately businesses are meant to make profits. You are meant to bring value to this, this shareholders. They are not necessarily meant to upscale people. Right. Though, of course, as a business, you also want to think like, oh, if I upscale my people, it provides better value for me in the long run. But again, I don't want to now say, okay, I'll take you on board. You spend six months or one year learning things that you could have learned as a bootcamp, you could have learned at your own time mm. and pay you salary, which you're not returning any value. And then in the, after one year, you decide, oh, I'm going to leave or something right. because retention is a big problem across tech nowadays so usually people are resigning their jobs every one to two years or they're changing jobs every one to two years failing as a software engineer is one question that ordinarily comes to mind at the start of this career but how your journey would go is not set in stone in fact there are many factors that can contribute to your growth to becoming a senior software engineer and you can share these thoughts on this so Frankly, in my current role, I do a lot of recruitment. I'm reviewing CVs, sitting in interviews, and it is giving me just a better understanding of seniority in software engineering. The years aren't a direct correlation. Generally, maybe it takes five years for someone to be a senior software engineer, but it's also not necessarily that. So, if you've spent all your career working on WordPress, Right. No offense to WordPress. Maybe a senior at WordPress, but like you probably wouldn't have gained actual very good mm. software engineering skills or transferable cloud native engineering, building microservice architectures and so on. So that is where the difference now. Compared to someone working on for example, I've worked with literally people who have gone from junior engineers to intermediates in one or two years because they started their career working in advanced, I'm talking about the microservice architecture is, for example, the standard architecture that people like the Facebook and the Googles and so on. So that's the architecture that I love and work with. So if you grow up in engineering working with that kind of architecture, you will probably have a shorter path to seniority than some people. So it's hard to directly measure in terms of years. That's to say, because I've seen people that have spent 10 years working on, for example, Dental or WordPress or something like that, especially if they're working on just the surface level things and not necessarily the back-end things. I can't even give them a written of intermediate because they only know how to do a specific technology. They may be able to, you know, slay a dragon with WordPress, for example, but that doesn't necessarily mean they understand a lot of cross-functional engineering skills. No offense to WordPress, okay. but depends on what you're spending your time, depends on the kind of company you're working with, depends on the scale, really. If you're building software for 100 users, trust me, like you won't see all the potential bugs that would happen in your system. But if you're building for 1 million users, I remember Black Friday or Yakata, then I think like when lots of users are using your system, they use it in unpredictable ways. So it's actually now goes away from programming to actual software engineering because if you're not writing properly or you're not developing your products properly, you don't have the tools to even know when there is a bug or something. So a number of things like that is, affects seniority. So it just boils down to where you have some context, but it can take anywhere between three to five years to become a senior, but caveats around the kind of person that you have, the amount of efforts that you're putting into your own personal development, the kind of companies you're exposed to or the kind of products that you're exposed to. Cloud engineering is a career path in software engineering where you get to either become a cloud architect engineer like Yekin or a cloud security expert. Yekin explained some of the considerations you should pay attention to. 
cloud engineering is much more accessible than it has been. And so, for example, I was at a Google event, uh, like, you sign up for Google, they give you $300 of credits mm. for you to just play around with. For three months, Amazon does something similar. You can literally get started with exploring some of these platforms. You have a little bit of an understanding about what they work. Definitely learn about containers. They're not particularly special, but they're also just a very good starting point. So that's maybe one of the best ways. And then just having a good understanding of what are the considerations for deploying an application? What are the scale considerations? What are the observability considerations? The security considerations, right? Which is usually an on the loop area of development also. Hmm. Now, here's the not so fun part of engineering. Engineering is brutal. It's brutal where the skills that you learn today are potentially obsolete in one week. That's probably an exaggeration, but in engineering, I always say standing still is the same thing as going. Right? Mm. So if you're someone that you are not that interested, you just want to learn one thing and do that one thing for the rest of your life, yeah, that's going to be tricky. If you are someone that loves challenges, in fact, a lot of engineers are trail seekers to some extent. It's about slaying that next dragon. If you have that kind of mindset, right? that aggressive growth mindset, engineering is a discipline that doesn't suffer people that just want to do the bare minimum. If you have these fundamentals, you can maybe relax a little bit. The other thing also is working conditions in different companies vary quite a bit. So it's usually very good to just spend some time just having a better idea of what company am I joining, mm. how do they work, or you know, something like that. Despite how demanding software engineering is, Yekin is confident about managing life and work. Having found himself in a leadership role, he explained how it he explained how he makes it work. For me, uh, maybe leadership does come to me to some extent, but I've also evolved a lot as a, also very intentional about growing as a leader, get actual feedback from them, just to get a better idea of where you could be better. And then you, you keep reading, you keep evolving, and developing yourself, right? That's more or less the same cycle. But mm -hmm. on the other flip side of it, some of us may be more Grown or have more affinity for certain skill sets, uh, but also I don't think it's something that can't be developed. It's putting in the effort actually to become better. Your emotional intelligence is also very important as a leader, right? As a leader, you don't have the luxury of just thinking about yourself. You think about how your energy affects your team, how you, what you're doing affects your team, right? I'm usually a big fan of the servant leadership approach where get your team. Get what they need, know what they need to grow and help them grow. Because the key thing is always, if I'm not there, I want you to be able to own a problem and solve it. Not to wait for me to say, this is how you do it, this is how you do it, this is how you do it all the time. So if you don't have that autonomy to actually grow yourself, I'm just creating more work for myself. How about how you stay productive? So it's usually different problems, different approaches to them. You use different tools for the right job. I think a key thing is your calendar, just in terms of productivity. My calendar is usually very tightly packed, but it's also very helpful because then I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm working on. I know exactly what I'm up to. Motion. I just use it as the headquarters of my thoughts. I think one of the better tools I've discovered recently has been the start of every day, just Take five minutes, look at your calendar, look at what you need to do, look at what are the deliverables and just flesh it out. It helps very much because it just helps align you. You know exactly what you're working on. You're not spending time 
jumping from meeting to meeting, but then also just prepping for meetings. That's a very important tool. Prepping for meetings can take just as little as less than five minutes. Okay, what meeting are we going into? What do we want to do in here? What's the point of this? Getting your thoughts in orders, right? One of the worst things is when you're in a meeting, nobody's prepared, and then somebody is asking every five minutes, um, I'm sorry, what did you say, or what are we here for? It's very unproductive, and you're wasting time there. Hmm. Yakin has a surprising interest, something he would do if he wasn't an engineer. I'll be a farmer. I love farming and also being in touch with nature. We're in a country that doesn't pay as much attention to our impact on the environment. We consume too much. We're actually spoiling where we live in. There's definitely room for, you know, producing smartly. And the problem that affects the rich, the poor, it doesn't really matter because wherever you are, you're still going to have to eat. I would potentially want to be a farmer at some point. Hmm. I already farm commercially, actually. Just a small commercial farm. It's integrated agriculture, so it's like a lot of veggies and also poultry and soon livestock and so on. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to Expert and African. I'd like to know your thoughts in the comment section. This episode is proudly sponsored by the TechPoint Africa Business Team. You can reach out to me at Uluwani Femi at TechPoint Africa.